0: Welcome to the podcast of champions this is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast created weekly for you by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United you can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com or you can subscribe to us in iTunes or at ACAST. Welcome to the first podcast in July. We're outdoors again, we're socially distant.
1: The wind is is starting to pick up, so that it could is. be a problem, but hey, we we can deal with those kind of problems.
0: It's, it's a bit chillier than it was here last week, Richard. I'm beginning to wonder if wearing shorts was a particularly good idea. There's a fresh breeze blowing around the lower levels of the football pyramid, that's all <laughs> I'm saying. Um, but, uh, yeah, you join us on another... Uh, Another summer day with no football, uh, but the prospects are beginning to look a little bit more encouraging, aren't they?
1: They are. Um, I think we are probably looking at August the 1st start of training, which is Saturday, which you've just confirmed. And um, and then mid-September start for the season. Now, the question is, will that be in front of crowds or not? Well, we don't know at the Big moment question, because um, you know anything could happen between now and then. I, I would guess that the season will start then whether they're in front of crowds or not, the games.
0: Really? Now, you had a chat with Gary earlier this week, and um, let's go and have a quick listen to that, and then we'll come back and pick up on some of the points uh, that Gary makes.
1: Yeah. A- any well, a- a- any information, any knowledge on when the season may start? Are we still probably looking at mid-September, but without anyone yeah. saying anything?
2: Yeah, I think that, that most... You know, whenever you read a report from another club, the 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 plan A is yeah. is, is to um, start August the first,
1: yeah.
2: and training that is, and then start your games mid September.
1: Yeah,
2: that that's what people are sort of working around now. Until unless that, you know, we we hear otherwise, that's or the virus decides otherwise then uh, that's what we're trying to plan to. Yeah. To the point where, you know, um, you, uh, you know, you start talking to clubs about pre-season friendlies yeah. provisionally. Um, you know, gone are the days when, like, we're not going to be able to play Man United uh, on the 10th of August <laughs> and expect a 9,000 crowd. Do you know what I mean? Yes, so, yes. So, you know, it's, it's going to be more just to get you... Your fitness, as opposed to you know bringing in any cash for the club, yes, sort of thing. You know, yeah. cause I, I'm not sure how quickly supporters will be allowed, you know, into the stadiums.
1: Um, you say you're talking to people. As the people you're talking to about pre-season, friends changed since last season, since before lockdown.
2: Um, what do you mean changed?
1: As in, are the new new teams that you're discussing possibilities of? of, of, of pre-season friendlies with?
2: Yeah, well, you, I mean, you try and keep a, um, what's the word, like a a program of games that allows you to build up, you know, so you you play the lower teams early to give everybody a little bit of a run out. It's almost part of your training and then you have your more competitive games at the end of the, you know, a week or two before the start of the season. Yeah, to see whether you're ready because uh, you don't want to show your hand in a first pre-season, pre-season friendly in the middle middle of August and all the others get the um, oh, he's already picked his team, you know what I mean? So yeah. you give them sort of two or three games where they're all involved and then you start um, you know cutting it down to uh, first team game, second team game. Yeah. Yeah. uh you know so you almost start the season early with your selection if you like uh, and if somebody's not in that first 11 by the second or third last game of preseason then they've still got a bit of a chance to to work their way in yeah. you know what I mean yeah. you know, so um yeah so it's you know it's a tried and tested sort of uh way you know there's there, 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 there's all different Scenarios on it, isn't there? You you you, you make you play all not teams below you and try and get a winning mentality yeah. <laughs> of uh, just winning games, you know, and, and getting your own game right. But then yeah. you've you've got to have that bit of competition to see where you you know which is nearer your level, so that you can um, you know compete against a team that's going to put you under and, and a little I, bit of pressure.
1: And I guess it you know. <laughs> In pre preseason friendlies, you're going to try stuff out that doesn't necessarily work, and that in itself is is the idea. Uh, and you know, so you can't read too much into results anyway, can you?
2: Oh no, no, of course you can't. I mean, sometimes people do, but and I've had you know poor pre seasons and started the season very well. Well, you and can learn
1: from that, lads. can't you? That's the thing. You, person, yeah, you know,
2: it, exactly. But it's about getting the lads match fit, mentally and physically for the first game yeah, of the
1: season.
2: Yeah. That, that, and then by that time, you'd have tweaked what you've needed to tweak. Um, you know, you know your team that's you want to play in a particular game. It depends on who you've got, first game of the season. And you might have to, you know, play a big and up front or a couple of little and quickens or, you know, for whatever reason, tactically. Um, you know, it, your tactics uh, donate... <clears throat> Um, you know, who you play yeah. sometimes.
1: <clears throat> Interesting um, idea. In, and then, in, sorry, go on.
2: Yeah, so it, your tactics donate sometimes the first game of the season, depending on who, you, who you've got. Yeah, And when we'll know that, I do not know. You know, when, when the fixture list will come out, you know what I mean? But I presume that'll come out at the same yeah. time, almost, or just after when they say when they're expecting the season to yeah, start officially. I mean,
1: you could go into pre-season without even knowing the fixtures and yeah, one of the yeah, um, one of the true. one of the interesting things that that rugby has done or is doing at the moment is that uh, I'm talking sort of lower league rugby but they are starting they're hoping to start seasons with all the local teams playing each other for the first half of the season and then Extending, you know, the the longer trips out into the into the later part of the season. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Sounds like
2: a good idea, yeah. but I, I don't know. You know, our nearest and dearest for us. Will yeah,
1: be no. Yo- when you say Yo- local, local for us, you're, t- you're still talking about Bristol, aren't you?
2: Exactly, exactly. You know, you, you what is it, Yeovil, and then past that, I don't even know who we'd be playing past that. That's no. local. No. Um, it's <laughs> so it's. I can understand that if there's you know a lot of teams around certain areas, you know, good for the Birmingham teams mm. and the Manchester teams yeah. and the London teams, but uh, us in deep in the southwest, yeah. You know, what we need is we need Truro, Plymouth, and Exeter, <laughs> and us in the same league. Then yeah. it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, preferably be us and Truro going up rather than them coming down.
2: Well, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah well, uh, yeah, e- either way, none of all that will be in our lifetime. <laughs>
1: um, are you excited about the season, Gary? Is, it, is there room to be excited about a fresh start?
2: I th- yeah, I think we've had a few weeks now where you resigned to the fact that there won't be some, any football for a long time, yeah. but the minute, you know, the, uh, the championship and the premiership started, then... You know, and you're watching the games, and you think, Oh, we can do that. I can do that." You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And actually, I, I was a pundit for Bristol City and Blackburn.
1: Okay. On
2: the on their Bristol City Robins TV live. Right. You know, so I was at Ashton Gate. Obviously, the game was away, and uh, and that sort of, you know, that 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 sort of brought the feeling back again a little bit because obviously, well, it weren't a great great game but I mean it was and it's just suddenly you start looking forward to your own team getting back to play so I think we're all ready now to just start getting excited especially now that I'm you know having to talk to players um, and you know and I I know all our players are are fit at the minute from, Mm -hmm. from all the results of uh, their individual stuff that they're doing. Um, and I know that the three or four that we, we hope to bring in are pretty much set in stone. You know, they, they, they can't be absolutely. But um, I'm pretty comfortable with what we've got coming in. So I'm looking forward to getting that new group, if you like, uh, together. Um, and, I, and I, you know, in my head, I can see a competitive team. Yeah. And that's what's making me more excited as we move
1: on. Do you have you been watching what's ha- been happening at other other clubs um, regarding play? Well, obviously you've been watching who's been released and stuff. But yeah, you, how well have those clubs in our division fared in this time of austerity? Really? Well,
2: everyone puts on a brave face. Yeah. Uh, no, nobody's really saying we're really struggling. Um, there's very few transactions happening mm. um, you know no, normally there'd be compensation issues for from young players that have left i.e Calvin yeah. Um, you know but n- n- none of that's happened. <clears throat> clubs are still they can't commit themselves until they know the start of the season um, you know a lot of some clubs have done sort of like handshakes which is like pre-contract yeah. because you can't you know, like, I don't think at the moment you can register no. contracts as such. Um, so yeah, it, it's, when when you hear one or two, normally you'd hear around about this time, a hundred.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, and and that's, that's sort of not happening. Everybody's jockeying, everyone's waiting for you know the, the top player to become available for nothing because he's held out, hasn't got what he's wanted, and suddenly he's, he's you know, you're left with the, um, uh, you, you're left with somebody who's worth more but has to go with what you're going to get him.
1: yeah. Which is, <laughs> you which know, is, I, I guess, what you'll be looking round for. A risk. When, yeah, but you'll be looking round for those players, won't you?
2: Well, you, well, you will be. But I'd rather get myself set. Yeah rather than take the chance of wait, I mean, I've you know, had a long chat with George about it, and <clears throat> I think it's important for us to go with, go for what we want and, and, and try and get that as quickly as we can, rather, rather than, what, than wait yeah. for something that's pie in the sky, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. OK, well, great. So, some interesting thoughts there. Yeah, As you say, it looks like 1st of August, yep. back into training, so at least the players have got something to aim at now.
1: Yep and they'll be getting ready. I mean, as Gary said, he's expecting them to come back fit and ready for pre-season training anyway, as they would normally do. Um, And, you know, with this time schedule, pre-season will be six weeks as it normally is. It kind of all all seems to be slotting into place at the moment. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. So it
0: actually, as you say, it begins to have a bit of a structure. The players have now got four weeks or so to get them, so you know whatever they've put on over the course of the long break, they've uh, they can
1: shed again. Yep, I think as, the wind's getting as strong. the wind picks
0: up. <laughs> uh, no, we'll carry on through it. We've been out at Seal Hayne in higher winds than this, and uh, we'll, we'll just have to speak up a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, and the players have got that target. They know what they're aiming at now. They know that they're aiming at an August the first start. And Gary was quite interesting on the subject of pre-season friendlies as well, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I, I was trying to work out whether. You know the pre-season friendlies that they must have already had planned for this pre-season which is obviously the dates of those Champions, friendlies. obviously yes. Okay. Uh, the dates of those pre-season friendlies that will have changed but whether the, the the teams would have changed um he wasn't really saying too much about that but um i wondered if there was scope for for, for, for to look around at different teams teams other teams might be looking looking to come down here for a for a week or so yeah. and, and, and play some games um, when they weren't expecting to. You know, so I think I think preseason training will change. I think we'll probably have Plymouth goal because um, we always have Plymouth Argyle. Yeah. And uh,
0: Gary dropped a bit of a hint the yes, other day about yeah, that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah. Uh, he did. I don't think he meant to but um <laughs> it slipped out. Um, Plymouth Argyle obviously will be uh, a League 1 team um, if we have Exeter they'll still be a League 2 team
0: yeah we'll talk about that in a minute ok we'll talk about <laughs> that in, in, in a moment with uh, just in case you're an Exeter fan who happens to have uh, opened up this podcast accidentally we'll, um, we'll have a little few words of commiseration for you in a minute but yeah you can imagine the friendlies they start uh, Gary was quite interesting on the structure of the friendlies start with a, a Newton Spurs or a Stoke Gabriel or something like that to give everybody a game um, and you know, give a bit of a boost for one of the local clubs. Then you're probably looking at an Argyle or a Bristol City under-23s. And as you said last week, Neil Warnock, now in charge of Middlesbrough, yep. always brings his teams to the West Country. Yeah. So maybe there's a Middlesbrough involved as the wind picks up again and the uh, coffee threatens to blow over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at the uh, the sort of wave thing on here. It's it's, it's a bit noisy, but bear with us because we
1: can't actually go indoors to podcast no we? I, I i don't think we can that's no. the thing it's a bit ambiguous at the moment no
0: you're not part of my personal bubble richard no. i don't want you to no. take that personally or anything.
1: I'd, I'd love to be a part of your personal <laughs> bubble but um
0: yeah so at least we've got something a, a little bit structured to look forward to um a bit of hope that we'll be inside playing more sooner rather than Later, although as you say, whether there'll be crowds there, whether we'll be able to go in there to report, it's all very loose, isn't it?
1: It is loose, and I don't think we'll be hearing immediately about that because, obviously, you know, look at Leicester. You know, yeah, things can yeah, change quite. in regions, yeah, as well as in the nation. So um, we don't know how that's going to affect football. Indeed. I mean, the fact that Leicester played the last night. Well, Surely some of those players living Leicester. Well, I thought they yeah. weren't supposed to leave Leicester. No, you would have thought. It, um, it's, it's, it's all a bit ambiguous. Difficult, isn't it? Because you've got to open up businesses,
0: you've got to open things up, you've got to get the economy going again, but you've got to do it so carefully. And football's got a big part to play in that, I yeah. think. Yeah. Obviously, this coming weekend, we're talking on Thursday... Uh, on Saturday, theoretically, the pubs can open again. They can. Uh, I know a lot of them aren't going to because they're nervous that there's just going to be a stampede and there there's going will to be, be all sorts of public <laughs> order problems. Yeah. Um, but things do begin to ease after this weekend. We've just got to make sure that, uh, what was it, the chief scientist says, that we don't um, rip the backside out of it
1: or something. Is that what he said? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that. The, the, the Babacom Hotel up here on the downs has, has been open for takeaways for two or three weeks and apart from you know on the really sunny days it being very very busy up there uh, on the downs because you can't drink the beers that you buy and take out on the premises even in the gardens yeah. of the Babingham hotel it's been fairly good you know um but then there is a lot of space because it's yeah. on the downs i um, think i think
0: by and large people get it don't yeah. they? people understand that you know if they if they mess this up it's going to happen here as happened in Leicester yeah absolutely
1: so, and, yeah. And, and you know no one including the people in Leicester would want
0: that so no. alright we can't put it off any longer Exeter did you watch the uh, playoff final I did yes um, Were Exeter did Exeter turn up no what a shame that really is. Well, for Stuart and Daniel and the people that we know who are Exeter fans um Matt Taylor found it very hard to keep his feelings under control he I thought did. afterwards
1: yes and he said some interesting things gave away some stuff that you wouldn't expect a manager no. to give away in such short notice after after a game but you know it's an emotional time for for, for them Uh, It's the third time they've lost at Wembley In a playoff final in four years Shocking If um, if you didn't see it Northampton beat them 4-0 It could have been more It could have
0: been more, Um, yeah Exeter didn't really look like scoring At any point that I saw They had a lot of possession But didn't do very much with it
1: They were the Exeter that played in the first leg Against Cheltenham and lost Yeah And they weren't the Exeter that beat Cheltenham To reverse that scoreline In the second leg of the semi-final Um, So you know, you can't explain it really. Uh, no. Bowman was off and Bowman is a decent player at that level now. nowadays. We all remember him at Torquay. Yeah. He was half decent with us but, um, you know, he's one of their best players. Um, it just didn't happen. No, and and didn't. then that... Um,
0: Alex Fisher went off quite early on yeah, as he well, Yeah, he didn't, didn't do he? much. No.
1: And an extraordinarily rash tackle by Dean Moxie, which yeah. could be his last time he kicks a ball for Exeter as well.
0: But he didn't kick the ball, did he? He didn't, didn't, didn't get ball. anywhere near he the ball. Player. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, that didn't help. They were two 0 down. They were just starting to come back on top as well, yeah. um, just starting to to to, to make progress uh, when that happened, and you know, Jake Taylor got a sort of an accidental elbow in the face, went down. Everyone kind of stopped because it was a head injury. Even the player that got tackled kind of stopped with a f- yeah, not not stopped to a full stop, but you know, slowed down and still had the ball at his feet. And in came Moxie with a.
0: Agri- a sliding challenge, challenge, challenge that uh, yeah. yeah didn't
1: yeah. leave much of the imagination. No. Uh,
0: but another starring performance from Callum Morton.
1: Yeah, what a player he is. <laughs> I was a, just yeah. just before the podcast. I just had a quick look to see if there's any movement because obviously um, Northampton's season is over yeah. now. They'll yeah. go up and they'll be in League Two next. Uh, sorry, League One next season. Um, Keith Curl has said in a in an interview since the playoff final that he. He's talking to West Brom about keeping Callum Morton for another year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Callum Morton on the bench at West Brom before Mm. this season is out, because obviously the Championship is still going. Um, I'd be surprised if they they want him to play in League One next year. I, I, I think he's almost Championship ready.
0: So he could have played in... Uh, League 2 playoff final decider yep. and he could end up playing in the championship promotion deciders as well he couldn't he could, he
1: could end up playing in a, in two playoff <laughs> finals could. in the same season that would be something that would be a it? pub
0: quiz question yeah. for the future wouldn't it
1: I mean I don't know the exact rules I don't know if he can but I presume he can there doesn't seem to be any no. reason why you can't go back to your club after your season's over back to your parent club yeah. isn't it
0: there we go but yeah well done Northampton well done Callum Morton and commiserations to Exeter fans I don't think your team really um Really did you justice? We
1: are waiting for the um, the retained list to come out. The Exeter City retained list, which um, one of Matt Taylor's post-match comments was, it's unlikely that any of the players that are out of contract will be kept on. There's some big names there. There's Dean Moxie Yeah. um, There's Aaron Martin. Mm -hmm. Mhm. And there's Gary Warren.
0: Is there? Yeah. Out of contract. We liked him, didn't we? So I
1: think the retain list will come out in the next couple of days. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to. It's getting windy again. It is getting windy. <laughs> Gary Warren would be a, a half half decent addition to Torquay's squad. Be an think. asset, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah. yeah, We liked um, him. You know, Aaron Martin, another one. He didn't have a great game on on Monday night, but he's a he's a half decent player, and he is, yeah. you know, if he's settled in the area. We, we shall see
0: we will interesting stuff yeah I hadn't realised that of course the retained lists are all coming out in dribs and drabs yes. depending on yes. leagues and all that sort of thing so uh, yeah we'll keep an eye on that ok on to the O's in the Plainmore alphabet yeah there are lots of them. Is lots there? Of, there are a lot of O's. I, I had
1: a little think the other day, and I can only think of a couple. The, the obvious one is, uh, is is the big one we'll talk about, but um, I couldn't think of too many others.
0: There are, there are a lot of O's. There are a number of Republic of Ireland connections. Oh, of course. Which oh, we'll come to apostrophe, of course. And there are two Bobby Charlton connections here. Are there? Which you might, yeah, I think. Um, I think one of them surprised me a lot. Okay. so we'll, we'll come back to that. But Frank O'Farrell has to be. Dominating our podcast this week. I mean, a, a big presence at Torquay. Maybe the most illustrious football name connected with Torquay United down the years.
1: Absolutely, um, and, and of course, you know, um, not just a Torquay name in football terms. He's a Leicester name. He's a, yeah. he's a Manchester United name. He's a he, his name's linked to George Best. Oh, who, absolutely. You know, to so many, so many football stories Um, three times wasn't he three times talking manager
0: Frank is 92 now uh, living in Torquay born in Cork he's played as a left half he worked on the railways while he was playing for Cork as well to supplement his income moved to West Ham for £3,000 in 1948 that was quite a lot of money in 1948 yeah (laughs) a lot of money indeed Uh, seven seasons at West Ham 213 games moved to Preston North End in 1956 where he played up alongside Tom Finney did he they were Division 1 runners-up to Wolves in 1958. Good side they were then, weren't they, Preston North End? Yeah, that's during their pomp, side. isn't it? Yeah. Um, He's got nine caps for the Republic of Ireland. He's not the not the last person to be mentioned today who's got caps for Republic of Ireland. Uh, in 1961, he became player manager at Weymouth, where he was reportedly on 25 quid a week. Excellent. Which was uh, it's probably not bad management, no, not bad no. wages. Back then, but uh, Torquay United, we first got him at Playmore in May 1965. Uh, as you say, the first of three uh, visits as manager. Promotion at the first attempt. His West Ham connections uh, helped us to get players like John Bond, Ken Brown, Bill Kitchener.
1: There's an influx, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's, 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 it's one of those things football has always been not as much what you know as who you know and it's the connections and you know we get it now with Bristol City and Frank did it with West Ham and people have done it over the years with teams like Bournemouth and what have you so it's always good to uh, always good to have that link isn't it December 1968 he went to Leicester Yep. as manager, took them to the 1969 FA Cup final, yep. which is the first big match I really remember watching. Is it? It is. Ah, okay. 1969 FA Cup final. Uh, you they didn't know
1: the significance of Franco Farrell at the time, of course. Kind of, it was probably well, maybe, in the back maybe of maybe my mind. Did. Yeah, maybe just did, about. Did. Yeah.
0: But they lost that one to Manchester City, 1-0, and they were relegated as well. A bit of a mm. claim to fame. Uh, and then, of course, the big step for Frank, July 1971... You replaced Matt Busby. Mm. Would you want to replace Matt Busby? It's
1: like replacing Sir Alex Ferguson, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, an impossible job. Yeah, that's, that's just ridiculous. It was never going to turn out brilliant, was it?
0: He was apparently... He had, uh, Matt Busby chose him, or Matt Busby indicated that Franco Farrell was the man that should take over for
1: yeah.
0: him. Um, but he had George Best at his most maverick, didn't he, in 72? Apparently just reading a few bits and pieces... Uh, in preparation for the podcast This was the time when George Best Didn't turn up for training very much
1: No, no, he didn't fancy it
0: He would roll out of a bed yep. Just before kick-off Not necessarily somewhere, um, And turn up and score hat-tricks And, and yeah. be the world's best player But didn't that, turn that up for training very much That wouldn't have Frank, I don't no, think No, no, I don't think so I think, I mean, Frank I, I, I've met Frank a few times I don't know him You know, I wouldn't say I know him But I've met him a few times And he is He's an absolute gentleman, but you get the impression that you'd probably only, or you wouldn't want to cross him. You wouldn't want to be the player that didn't turn up for training. You wouldn't want to be the player that did something that you'd been expressly told not to No, no. by Frank. You know, a, a, a bit of a stickler, perhaps. Um, and probably he and George Best were chalk and cheese. I, I, I
1: should imagine they were. And, you know, I've, I've seen in interviews and I think documentaries where the clash yeah. between those two... Basically, brought about the end of probably both their Manchester United careers.
0: Yeah. Well, Manchester United were in a bit of a, a downward. Yeah. Loop. I mean, Best and Charlton. First mention of Bobby Charlton today. Best, Charlton, Law were coming towards the end of their Manchester United careers. I, they obviously all went on to play in other places. But Frank, I mean, it was, it was an impossible situation there, uh, and he parted company with Manchester United Christmas 1972.
1: Happy, be, happy Christmas. Happy
0: Christmas, Frank. Uh, November 73, managed Cardiff City. April 74, uh, became manager of the Iranian national team.
1: Very, very odd one. Um, mm. I don't know what the politics
0: would, would were been like in, in Iran, days, Iran at the time, it? yeah. but it's
1: before, before the, the, the revolution mm. and everything, yeah. isn't it? So maybe it was a bit more settled, although probably very strange place to go and manage but.
0: I imagine so they won the Asian Games qualified for the Olympics did pretty well there uh, November 76 he came back to Torquay for a second spell ironically replacing uh, Malcolm Musgrove who had ah. been his number two at Leicester and at Manchester United Yeah. Uh, so their careers kind of followed each other uh, nineteen eighty. Oh, he uh, actually he was there while Mike Green was there as manager of Torquay. Frank was in a, a an advisory role to Mike Green.
1: He certainly wasn't a director of football in those no, days. No, was he, he wasn't. That, no <laughs> such
0: thing as that. In nineteen eighty, he went off to manage Al Sharb in the United Arab Emirates, uh, and then in eighty one, he came back to manage Torquay for the third and final time between Mike Green and Bruce Rioch. So that's a long long spell of service that's to the a lot club. of
1: service to to, to, a cl- to one club isn't it and you know um,
0: obviously still very much part of the furniture at, uh, yeah. literally because there are pictures of Frank everywhere yeah. um, and it, it's just it, you can't say Torquay United without thinking of Frank O'Farrell can you
1: no there, there were periods of time weren't they back in the back in the past where Torquay's history was, was slightly ignored by some of the people who were running the club mm. and um I remember, you know, no photos up. Um, yeah, although, yeah. you know, the photo archives were there, you know. Um, but more recently, there has been an effort, hasn't there, to, to recognise past glories, past greats. Yeah. Managers and players. And uh, so it's good to see photos of Frank and other people like that uh, up at Playmore nowadays.
0: Part of the club's heritage. and yeah. As I say, Frank is, uh, Frank is 92. Uh, living, David still speaks to him, doesn't David he? David speaks to him, yeah. So... Um, Hopefully doing well. Yeah. So he is, without a doubt, the manager of our O team, which has been put together uh, with the help of Julian, as ever. Gary Hours can be his number two.
1: Good old Gary.
0: Gary Hours can be his number two. So uh, Frank and Gary will be the management team.
1: I I was, I was obviously here when Gary was appointed. And uh, I liked Gary as a person. I think he was slightly out of his depth. Uh, we had no money again. It was the no. same situation as when Kevin Nicholson was in charge. You know, it was very difficult to build a squad on a shoestring. Um, I just, I the the first interview I did with Gary Hours, I I said something about, oh, it's sad, isn't it? You know, where we are in for a club like this. And his reaction was, well, no, it's not sad. It's um, you know, every club is where they are because of who they are. And I, I just yeah. thought then, I thought, but it's still sad that talk here in this situation. It's not a
0: no you're right you can't right. Yeah. you, you yeah. can be both I remember t- recording the first press conference that he and Martin Cool did
1: he, di- he did it and, and he did a, a podcast straight afterwards he with did him. so he, he was did. gracious yeah. enough
0: to do that yeah. he's a very nice fella yeah um, but you know his management style was quite dour quite it wasn't there wasn't the excitement that you get with some managers. No. There wasn't the sort of the pizzazz, the excitement, the enthusiasm that you've got with the current regime, for instance. No. You know, it was very business-like. It was very, somewhat stone-faced a little bit. I mean, I'm not running him down because he's a nice fella and he's doing well now, which is good.
1: I sometimes wonder what it would have been like if those two had been reversed and Martin Call cool was the, uh, the manager.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, seemed to me more of a a manager. Mm. But, you know, that's all gone.
0: So there we go. That's your management team. So Bobby Aledjnik is your goalkeeper. Well, of course. What a a great goalkeeper.
1: Um, You know, he was brilliant for Torquay, wasn't he? He was. And then he left and went to Peterborough. Mm -hmm. Was there for two seasons, three seasons or something? And then went to Exeter and never really did what we expected him to do, I don't think.
0: No, we all thought he was, you know, he was championship-quality yeah. goalkeeper, Austrian keeper, wasn't he? He started off at Aston Villa, um, then played at Falkirk, came to us. He was in the PFA Team of the Year, um, one of the seasons he was with us, uh, along with Unino Kane, who we'll talk about in a minute, Kevin Nicholson and Lee Mansell. That was quite a team that we had then. Yeah. We had a, quite a few players in that PFA Four team. Four players the year. in the same PFA yeah. team.
1: That's uh, That's. I remember the, the the Leroy Senior season, we had... Um, three, I think. David Graham, Alex Russell, and I think Jason Fowler, but I'm not yeah. convinced about that. I think it was three. It might have been one of the defenders that was in it instead of Jason Fowler. But yeah, four's fours good going, isn't it? Cheers. Is. Bobby Legnick only played
0: 51 games for Torquay. It feels like more. <laughs> yeah, it feels it like he yeah. was there for yeah. longer. Um, I think you know we we would like him to have been there for longer. But one of his claims to fame was that in the 2011-12 season, he was the keeper through our record 20 clean sheets. Brilliant. So, obviously, a keeper takes most of the credit for that, but the defender's in front of him um, as well.
1: Yeah, I think keeper's 80%, isn't it? Let's face it.
0: (laughs) Joe Ostler is on the right of our defence. Yeah, quite Uh, liked
1: him. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's he's Oxford City now. Yeah. He came to us on loan from QPR, then made a permanent move, 2010-11. He went off to your favourite team, went off to play for all Yeah, I know
1: he did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Gosport Borough, he's now at Oxford City. Uh, he played 122 games for Torquay, which makes him the equal highest number of appearances in the O team.
1: Does it, does it? I always
0: kind of look through, in fact, I'm going, we're going to do a little uh, quiz on this yes. at some point when we get bored of whatever we're doing. <laughs> um, but he's, he's equal on the highest number of appearances um, with 122 alongside him uh, in the defence is a chap by the name of Brian O'Donnell. Brian O'Donnell? No. Nope. I don't remember Brian nope. O'Donnell. He played 24 games for us in 82-83. No. Nope. You were just a wee boy then, obviously. I was, I
1: was 11 yeah. or 12.
0: Uh, Old he, enough to remember, but I don't. He had been the Australian Player of the Year and he played for a team in Australia who were in the name of the Blacktown City Demons. Wow. I like that name.
1: Well, I'm not sure so. it would be allowed now. I wonder if <laughs> they've had to change it. Like no, The Chiefs quite, might have to change their name. Quite, that's yeah, controversial. That is controversial.
0: <laughs> uh, alongside him in the defence is Don O'Riordan.
1: Well, what a player.
0: Great player. Yeah, yeah. And Great player. He was at Torquay from 92 to 96. 93 games he played. Uh, he'd been at Derby under Brian Clough. Yep. He uh, played for Tulsa Roughnecks, Ooh. Preston North End, Carlisle, Middlesbrough, Notts County. The dog's about to bark at somebody. <laughs> Are you Bertie? i I'll think carry he's, on. I think
1: he's holding off.
0: <laughs> uh, he was player coach, kept us up. um yeah. And then took us into a playoff match uh, at Preston North End, which we were discussing, funnily enough, before we came on air. That's one of those famous incidents in Talk United history. It that is. We'll, uh, we'll maybe come to next week. Yeah. Um, when we talk about the uh, the P teams and what have you. Uh, he brought uh, the likes of Gregory Goodrich and Rodney Jack into the team. Darren Moore, Paul Trollope, Paul Buckle yep. all came into the team uh, when Don was there.
1: He was an experienced manager, wasn't he? He and was, it?
0: and a very good footballer.
1: Yeah, of course, he was brought to the club by Neil Warnock. Was he? Yes. Was he really? Yes. Okay. Um, now, I think Neil Warnock was manager at Notts County. I'm scraping the back end of my brain here. But Notts County and um, I think Dom was with him at Notts County. And when Neil came into... It's always very confusing because Neil's not supposed to be a former talkie manager, is he? But he came in on Caretaker and was here for a while as a caretaker. So why he's not an official manager, I've never really known. I think he is, actually. Um, but he brought Don in to help him, and then when he left, Don stayed uh, as the manager. Yeah.
0: Neil Warnock, by the way. People, you know, he divides opinion, doesn't he? Neil Warnock, but yes. he's a journalist's dream, isn't yes. he? Yes. Yeah. If you ever go to a, a manager. I mean, some managers are better at it than others. After a game when you've, um, you've been beaten by the odd goal in three by Rochdale or something like that, and you yeah. think, what on earth are we going to get from the manager? Neil would always come up <laughs> with something. So, uh, yeah, always good to work with Neil. And Donna Reardon, of course, um, parted company, let's say, with Talker United after we were battered 8-1. Yeah, War, I can remember. I can
1: remember where I was that day. I wasn't a player. I oh, was. I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't yeah. a player. <laughs> I lived in Norwich for a year. Yeah. Ninety four, ninety five, and um, I was in the my local pub. The oh, now here we go. The, the Pottergate Tavern. The Pottergate Tavern Ooh, in really? Pottergate in Norwich. Okay. Um, which was my haunt on a Saturday and Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. You know that kind of thing. And. Um, yeah, the, the the results came up. Of course, it's before the days when you, if you were out, you could even, yeah. and you were out of the area, you could even get an inkling of what was going on. And I remember the 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 the, um, the, the vidi printer coming up and saying the score, and then it did that thing that you all <laughs> hate to see. It had it had seven written out in letters. Eight, yeah, eight. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, written in brackets, out in letters yeah. in brackets. Uh, just just to confirm that that was not a mistake. I remember that now. Yeah,
0: there you go. So, Don O'Reardon, you know, let's remember him for the good things rather than that one awful, awful game.
1: Of course, one of the big goal, goal scorers in that game, did he score four goals? Was Andy McFarland. Andy McFarlane, who then joined yep. us a couple of seasons later. He did.
0: Uh, Completing the defence, a gentleman by the name of Anthony O'Connor, uh, who came in in 13-14, played 32 games from us. He was on loan from Blackburn. Alan Nil brought him in. And he was a heck of a player. He right. was our young player of the year that season.
1: Before I came back mm. so um i don't remember him well i do remember him i don't remember seeing him
0: he was an excellent excellent player what did, did he, he go on to do then well he went on, he went to burton then he played for argyle for a while oh okay then he went up to play for aberdeen right and now according to my extensive researches online he's a, a squad mate of jackson longridge at bradford city
1: is he at the
0: okay. moment so um yeah but antonio connie's done well um Good player. We'd like to have hung on to him a little bit longer. Yeah, I think. we'd
1: like to see Jackson Longbridge back. Yeah, <laughs> we certainly. Longbridge. Will. I mean, I'm never going to call Long... him Longridge, am I? You no. might as well. You might as well just.
0: Oh, uh, you're back to Red Robbo and British <laughs> Leyland again now, <laughs> yeah. aren't
1: you?
0: Okay, into the midfield. Then there's a player that that we liked on the press bench, uh, and we only saw him play for seven games. A chap called Tommy O'Sullivan.
1: Yes, I did. Came like in him, yeah. on
0: loan. Gary owes brought him in in 1718. He'd been at Cardiff. Uh, he went to Colchester. Um, and he came on loan to us. It was a season when we were relegated and things didn't go well. But I, th- I liked the look of him. I thought there was something about him yeah. in the midfield. He's playing for Hereford now. OK. So who knows? We may come across him in a we may do in an FA Trophy yeah. game or something like that at some point. But um, yeah, he's a good player. Unan O'Kane is the next man in the midfield. One I, of those players...
1: Uh, for me, it's a shame because it was while I was away. Yeah. So I never really got to see how good Unan was. Glorious, um, glorious yeah.
0: footballer. Strong, clever, skillful, everything you want. Committed, you know, never gave less than 100%. Uh, another Republic of Ireland international. He's got seven caps for the Republic of Ireland. Uh, great player. He was there from 2009, 2012. Played 122 games, so he ties with Joe Ostler for today's, um, today's most wow, appearances. Okay.
1: Uh, I've seen some of the goals, obviously, on YouTube, and, and they're spectacular. There's one particular, isn't there?
0: The one against Plymouth—that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the fact he scored two against Plymouth, but the the one where he just knocks it over the top of the keeper—it's one of those perfect shots that players hit with their insteps that you and I could be up Walls Hill all day <laughs> and never be able to do.
1: I think it's one of those situations when Union was in that team as well that that um, he was playing with the right players. Yeah, they complemented the way he played. Yeah. Um, he was playing up front with with Rennie Howe. Rennie Howe and, and, and that worked.
0: And he was linking up with Lee Mansell. Yeah. And it, it was a good team. he come from Coleraine. Uh He left us, went to Bournemouth. Yeah. Then went to Leeds. Yeah. And we all thought, hang on a minute, here we go. He's going to be a superstar. And he got an injury. Didn't quite work out for him. He's at Luton at the moment, isn't he? Um, but it, it's, it was one of those careers that you thought he's going to be in the headlines. He's going yeah. to be a household name. And he's... Decent career, obviously made a good living out of football, and, and thank heavens for that.
1: One of those players that, that wasn't deemed big enough by Everton in this case. Yeah,
0: yeah when right. he was
1: when he was a kid and released, and, and obviously I think he went back to to Ireland for a while before before coming to Torquay. But um, there's a lot of them, isn't there? Those players, and mm. main uh, an example yeah. of one we'll see next season and see how he get goes on. Um, players who don't have the Aren't as tall as, as no. maybe coaches like them to be. Um, they can still be physically strong, I yeah, think. Yeah. But, um, you know.
0: And a little bit of trivia about Union. He and his wife Laura had the first humanist wedding in Northern Ireland after Did a protracted really? legal battle.
1: I didn't know that. The first wow.
0: humanist wedding to be held in Northern Fantastic. Ireland. Fantastic. There you go. Charlie Oakway is alongside Union O'Kane. Charlie! That's a
1: myth that's a for you. Charlie! <laughs> Used to Explain. <laughs> for a while, I sat in the <laughs> the, um, the family stand with a couple of mates who were not Torquay fans, but went up every week. And uh, Dan was a, a Luton fan, and and uh, and uh, Choda, I can't remember his first name, Andy, was. Um, <laughs> uh, that's what we, we called him, Choda. He was he was the hardest centre back I've ever played with, okay. uh, for Kent's Cavan football team, um, or Kent's okay. Park. Uh, anyway, I'm going off on tangents. <laughs> the caverns, um, obviously. We used to sit in the, the family stand for a season or so when when Charlie was there with in that team with Alex Watson and um, and uh, Paul Buckle and, yeah. and that team. And there was a, a little old lady behind us who absolutely <laughs> adored Charlie Oatway, and all the way through every game we sat there, all you heard right in our ears was "Have you, Charlie? <laughs>
2: Charlie!"
0: Charlie! Brilliant. I'll give you another <laughs> couple of reasons to love
1: Charlie Oakway in a minute. But uh, Kent... It wasn't in his book. He wrote a book. Oh, I haven't read that. Yeah, he wrote a book. Okay. Uh, it turned up at the, when I was working at, at the Guardian, it turned up on the sports desk one day and I took it home.
0: Did, by the way, Kent's Cavern Football Club. It was did, actually um, Kent's pub. Did Mickey Cave ever play for them? No... Oh. I'm here all week I like it Charlie Oakway there 95 to 98 played 71 games he'd come from Cardiff again another player to come from Cardiff he then went to Brentford he was a legend at Brighton yep, played absolutely. Yeah, played 224 games yeah, at Brighton there. Gus Poyet took him on his coaching team off to Greece yep. and Spain to, uh, to work with him and he is the last time we saw him he's assistant manager of Eastbourne Borough I don't know if he still is but that's the last time that we came across him
1: Fa- I think famously couldn't read or write when he was young and um, obviously ended up writing a book about yeah. his footballing career. So it did him some good being a footballer, more than more than just making a bit of money.
0: And two other reasons, as I say, to love Charlie Oatway. First of all, Charlie Oatway's full name is... Oh, yes. Anthony, Philip, David, Terry, Frank, Donald, Stanley, Jerry, Gordon, Stephen James Oatway. Yep. Because his parents were mad keen Queen's Park Rangers fans. It's, it's good. And named him after the whole 1973 squad. But apparently he got the name that we all know him by. Yeah, Charlie's not even in there. No, because his auntie said, if you give him a name like that, he'll look a right Charlie. (laughs) And that stuck.
1: That's a great story, isn't it?
0: And the other reason for me personally, when my (coughs) kids were small, we did one of those things where one of their toys mysteriously disappeared and it would turn up being photographed in all sorts of odd places. So we took it round for a year. We got various people who were appearing at the Princess Theatre to have their photograph taken with it. And I've still got the album at home and charlie oakway bless him took pip the penguin into the uh, the team picture for that year our friend paul davie was taking it and there is a team picture which shows charlie oakway with pip the penguin on his knee i think um, that
1: needs to be that needs to come out the cover guys it's yeah. a good one
0: i've got it somewhere i'll dig it out but uh, what Brilliant. a what a fine and, and
1: let's talk about his football because he was a good player oh, as well he was. wasn't he, he um, was. yeah i mean uh, solid midfielder yeah
0: a fine fellow charlie oakway yeah. worth his place in any midfield uh, and completing the midfield is a chap by the name of Mick O'Brien.
1: I liked Mick O'Brien.
0: I liked Mick O'Brien. Ninety-nine to oh two. He'd come from Everton. He was an England schoolboy international. Scored on his debut against Shrewsbury. He was a sub in that game at Barnet. He came was. on for Jason Rees. Yes,
1: he did at the end. Oh no, the, he came on. The yeah, that's right. Quite yeah. early on. Yeah.
0: After um, Rees had
1: scored the first goal. Yeah.
0: Played 64 games for us. The goal that we all remember was a cup match at Loftus Road against QPR. Mention them again. Was there. Which was a mighty 30-yard free kick, Mm. which, if I remember rightly, we were sitting up in the away stand at Loftus Road from where you can't see the goal. Yeah, because, look, because because it's the, been the stand's underneath you. Yeah. The lip
1: of the stand that's is underneath right. you. I was right at the front of that stand, Couldn't so see, I yeah. could see over. Yeah. But if you're the back of that stand, you're looking down. You can't see the goal, that's, that's right. That's where
0: I was. And you you had to wait to see if the net moved, oh. to see if the ball had gone in. Not the greatest viewing area at the time, back at uh, Loftus Road. But yeah, good player, Mick O'Brien. Went on to play for Droylston and Chester uh, towards the end of his career, but we liked him, didn't we? I thought he
1: probably had a bit more in him than, mm. than he did, but... Um, he, I think he turned up the same time as Chris Brandon, and they both looked like they might have, go on and have a decent career. Well, Chris Brandon, of course, did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did but, Mick but O'Brien, proper didn't Scouser, wasn't he? Didn't quite happened. Yes, what? he was. Got a proper Scouse accent on him, Mick O'Brien. It's, it's a very, it's a very Scouse name as well, isn't it? Is. it? I mean, it's got Irish roots, obviously, and uh, you know, there's a lot of that in in, uh, in Liverpool.
0: And as a, to start the uh, the front row, then there's another O'Brien, who only played three games for us. Okay. Aidan O'Brien in 2013-14.
1: While I was away. So I've got no on, chance to
0: remember him. <laughs> he came on loan from Millwall, where he's played 185 games for Millwall. He's a current Republic of Ireland international.
1: Is he? Wow. He's, you
0: know, he's one of those players that you think, yeah, there's a guy who plays for Ireland called Aidan O'Brien. Well, that's the same fella. Right. That okay. we had for three games. Uh, obviously a terrific player. Long it was a move, I guess, was it? loan move. Yeah. Um, he was never going to stay very long with a pedigree like that. But uh, good. There's good, another. There's another
1: lone player that I can remember, which will probably come up in two weeks' time um, from Millwall, that went on to be an absolute legend at Millwall as well. Um, Go on, Robinson. What was his first name? Robinson. I'm going to have to look him up. Robinson.
0: Gonna have to look him Robinson. up. Look him but up. he
1: went on to. He was a defender, and he he was with us on loan for a while, and he went on to be one of Millwall's yeah stalwarts it's
0: like the Steve Bold thing isn't it players who come to yeah. Turkey on loan earlier in their careers yeah. and, and they go on and do great things I
1: can see his face I can't remember his first name <laughs> Robinson I was doing the programme for a while and and uh, I was using a, a photo of a different player on, on the cover of each programme I can see that cover can't remember It'll his come first back name to
0: you. come back to you the minute we switch yeah. off and his striking partner is Dwayne Ofori Achampong
1: oh of course um interesting story my, my uh, wife's car is called Dwayne because of him really yeah we couldn't decide what to call the car so I just said oh, whoever scores first for Torquay next yeah we'll call it that and we weren't going to call him Achi and Pong so so it's called Dwayne Dwayne oh there
0: you go I thought it was because it was from Derby. <laughs> 34 games 6 goals not a bad return at all um, last known of playing at Whitehawk I don't it, know if he's still he really? at Whitehawk yeah uh, I mean, he didn't move up from Torquay. No, I thought he, he was a decent did player. Did he go down to but... Yo,
1: uh, Dover? Oh, he might yeah. have done. Um, might have done. I, I, I liked him, but he, but, he, but he wasn't quite good enough, was he? No. Um, but he did score some goals and, um, you know, had a, had a half-decent time at Torquay.
0: I've um, oh, got a couple of players on the subs bench. I've just re- remembered that I've neglected the trivia fact about Bobby Charlton. I'll come back to that in okay. a moment. It's at the bottom of my notes. Uh, on the bench, a uh, player called Chima Okori.
1: Around during uh, that kind of Kevin, Nin, 93, Kevin yes, Yeah, 93-95, yep.
0: 47 games, 7 goals. Yep. He was Nigerian. Half-decent player. Moved to India when he was a student. Played a lot of football in India and managed Ossian's New Delhi Heroes, which is one of the biggest sides mm. in India. Uh, and the goalkeeper on the bench for us is Vince O'Keefe.
1: Of course, yes. 79, Exeter, another 82. Exeter connection.
0: Yeah, yeah, started with Exeter. Came to us, then went to Blackburn and Wrexham, 121 games for Torquay. Claim to fame is that he kept goal for Blackburn Rovers when they won the 1987 Full Members Cup 1 0 against Charlton Athletic. Did
1: he really? There we go. see,
0: so he did well. Now, your Bobby Charlton trivia. Go on. Which we, I mean, this will win you, this will get you a pint in a pub. Who do you I'm reckon that. Bobby Charlton played his last professional game for?
1: Bobby Charlton.
0: They've, we've mentioned them already. He played one game for this team. And it mentioned was, them already. It was his last professional game. So who
1: have we this mentioned already? This is according
0: already? to that well-known online encyclopedia, by the way. So the
1: teams we've mentioned already. Okay, I'm going to go through the teams. I'm going to try and remember the teams that we've mentioned already. Notts County.
0: It's, a, it's, a, it's an overseas
1: team. Oh, okay. All right, okay. So it's,
0: no. We'll wind back to Brian O'Donnell. The Australian Player of the Year, Blacktown City Demons. Did he
1: really? Now Kevin Keegan go. played
0: for them at one point.
1: Well, they must have had a bit of money. It was must, must, at that point, then, must not they? Yeah, interesting.
0: And according to the internet, Bobby Charlton played one game for them and scored in it. Did in he? 1980, and it was his last professional game.
1: Wow. Well, that's that is good trivia, and I haven't won my pint.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> so yeah, I'm really disappointed. I'll get you one anyway. Cheer up.
1: <laughs> when the pub's open. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening that's the
0: end of the O team thank you very much Julian for pointing us in the direction of a lot of those players
1: yep a, a sterling work as usual Julian thank you
0: indeed and uh, hopefully as you said to uh, to Gary I think at the end of your chat maybe next week we'll have some more concrete things to talk about possibly players possibly fixtures possibly you know anything just to give us something to clutch onto really isn't yeah
1: it? I mean I'd say this to Gary every week you know what's the news? Because really, there isn't any. Um, He's he's
0: doing a bit of punditry though, isn't he? He he was at Robbins TV,
1: apparently, which is uh, the the official Bristol City website's television station. So, um, he he obviously enjoyed that because he said, didn't he, that um, he got the feeling of football again. Although I don't think Bristol City are having a a very good time at the moment it's since, since the wrong, restart of football. Yeah. They haven't won a game yet. Some and, teams uh, have come back in much better than others. Yeah, Leicester. Look at Leicester. Yeah. They've dropped off. Um, and
0: Wolves have been fantastic. Whatever they've been doing during the lockdown has worked, hasn't
1: it? They have. I mean, I've I, I got a bit more into football over the last couple of days. I, I kind of... I watched the first couple of games and then didn't yeah. watch much. But yeah. I, but I won eighty pounds yesterday on on West Ham. So oh, well um, done. I'm quite happy with that. It was a part of a it was a part of a four game accumulator for three goals in every game. By half time in the first three games, I had I had three goals <laughs> in all three games. And the fourth one, I thought I thought wasn't there okay, a goal
0: disallowed in the West Ham there game was, as well? That must and, have made you sweat and a bit.
1: at half time, it was offering me eighty pounds cash out, and I took it. Five minutes later. West Ham scored their first, the, the second their second and the third. And I, I missed out on another 20 quid. But no, I'm fine. I'm happy with that.
0: Well, you, can get, <laughs> you, you can get me a pint in.
1: Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening. Sorry about the wind noise. One thing that hasn't been noisy is Bertie. Bertie the Dachshund has been sat in between us for the whole duration of the podcast without making a sound. He well, had a
1: little growl at someone walking down the road just now, but um, he kept it minimal.
0: Well done, Bertie. Well done. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and come on, you yellows. You have been listening to the Devon Live Herald Express Talkie United Yellow Army podcast recorded weekly by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. You can find us in the Talker United channel on the Devon Live website and you can subscribe to us at iTunes. Please leave a review wherever you see us. We welcome all feedback, uh, whether positive or negative. We always like to know what you think of the Yellow Army podcast. Please join us next time.